0: Anyway, back to the podcast. We have geese. Beautiful geese. It's always a joy preaching in this park. You never know quite what's going to happen. Two weeks ago, a bird missed me by its pooing by about six inches. Moments later, a park ranger turned up on his quad with his loudspeaker. Very politely, but firmly asking for a permit. But we made it through. We made it through. It is great to see you guys. My name's Tom. Um, For those of you who don't know me, uh, it's strange preaching with shades on but I feel kind of cool. But it is good to be here and uh, a super warm welcome if this is perhaps your first Sunday. We are, as Joni said, we're just so pleased you're here and it's so nice that with new legislation I don't have to wear my bandana when I preach. What a joy. 12 feet and my microphone means I can do this so it's great to be here. Um, one of the things that we're looking at over these few weeks as a church community is this kind of question, which is, at one hand, I'm gonna try and sit, stay seated because it keeps me calm, but I might end up leaping to my feet. I'm an enthusiast. Um, at one, one level, the Christian life is very exciting. If you read this book at all, the, the God of Christianity, he really does do incredible things. Um, just from the, book, the beginning of the Bible right to the end, just a big theme is like, you never quite know what's going to happen when Jesus Christ is here and when he wants to do things. It's exciting at one level, right? But also, it is kind of exhausting as well. Um, you know, I get, particularly on a day like Easter, when we're thinking about the resurrection of Jesus, Um, I think I get excited I think about power I think about hope I think about this Jesus coming back from the dead and I get excited but there's also a little part of me that when I look at myself um, and my limits mentally and emotionally and physically living you know in a busy city like San Francisco with a relatively big family and I, I also feel kind of like a little bit daunted just by living (laughs) sometimes you know particularly after the last year that we've had um, if I'm really honest I kind of have this weird sort of tension between excitement about the sorts of amazing things that we see happen in the Bible the sort of resurrection type power stuff but I also have this other part of me that just genuinely feels just tired and just like this year has been particularly a very tough year And so I find this kind of daily, kind of quiet tension in my inner being. Anyone here at all resonate with that? Yeah, I think probably we all do to some degree. And I think it's good to admit that we feel that. But I don't think any of us would say that we can stay in that place, right? It's good to admit it. But, you know, when you look at particularly the New Testament, like the last bit of the Bible, when Jesus is on planet Earth and his church is starting, particularly there, Um, you know, I'm sure those early Christians at times felt a little bit like us. I'm sure their lives were fairly busy and I'm sure their lives were fairly difficult, you know, being persecuted by the Roman um, Empire and, and facing tremendous difficulties. But at the same time, although they would have felt those things, they weren't ultimately defined by them. They felt that sense of, gosh, life is tiring. But we see again and again, this amazing kind of up from the ashes just like we've been singing a moment ago this dynamic of normal people with fragile beings limited capacities imperfect weak jars of clay paul calls us and yet what we see again and again in this incredible book is dramatic and extraordinary things happen despite that fragility and weakness it's a really interesting thing. And so the, the million dollar question, of course, I can see is on your lips, which is, well, how, Tom? How on earth are they both like us in their fragility, and yet, in some ways, unlike us, in terms of the power that we see in their lives as a group of normal people? How does that work? And as I was pondering this, this week, I, I honestly think, in many ways, The heart of the question is this. How do you actually define what it is to be a Christian? I think perhaps your answer to that question will help you understand why perhaps you maybe feel sometimes more on the exhausted than the excited end of things than anything else. So let me just ask you this question, a little bit of interaction here. Just, you know, shout out. What would? How would you define, if someone said to you, what actually do you think a Christian is? What would be your answer? Any suggestions? <laughs> Come on, I know you. You're a chatty bunch. Victor. A follower of Christ. A follower of Christ. I like that. Okay, any other thoughts? What does it mean to be a Christian? What's the central bit, the central point? Billy? i say you Jesus in your life, in your sense, and you've delighted Him more than any other delight. Love it. You've seen Jesus in a spiritual sense and you're delighted in Him more than anything else. Love these, these answers. Any other thoughts? What does it mean to be a Christian? It's not a trick question. Any other thoughts? What about this side of the garden? Um, because of our love for him, uh, there is fruit. So there is there is life abundance. Okay. That's rooted in our love for him. Great. Thank you. Yes? Um, someone that lives with unwavering hope. Wow. Fantastic. Someone who lives with unwavering hope. Thank you. These are beautiful answers. One more. What about over here? Any thoughts? What does it mean to be a Christian? <coughs> George? Everyone's <laughs> looking at George! How would you, what, I mean, what would you say if someone says, What do you mean you're a Christian? What does that mean? It means, it means like he lives in you and he speaks to you and it's like you now identify like with Christ. Okay right these are great answers great answers interestingly not one of you said in exact words that i believe that to be a christian is that i believe jesus was dead and that he is resurrected and actually alive now that doesn't mean your answers were wrong don't get me wrong but for the point of today what i'm trying to emphasize is it's really interesting. There was a, do uh, you know Lifeway? They do a lot of research. They did a recent survey of thousands of Christians and they said, there's 16 options here uh, that you can pick. Which one do you think most defines, you know, what a Christian is? And there was like someone who prays, somebody gives to the poor, somebody goes to church, somebody believes in God. And the point of this survey was to say, isn't it interesting how much variety there are? And although, The 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 number one answer was believing in God, and that got ticked. The point the survey was showing how much diversity there was, and lots of those things non Christians would do as well. Non Christians would say they pray. Non Christians would say they they serve the poor. You know that they're moral people. Here's what's really interesting. Lifeway themselves did not give the option of to be a Christian means ultimately. That I believe Jesus was dead physically dead and that he is now literally physically alive the researchers themselves in my opinion missed what I think is the central defining thing that in the early church above everything marked them out I believe that I believe when you look in the bible above everything to be a of course you pray and you do love Jesus and you do you are connected with your community and you do do those things. But for these guys in the early church, the number one thing in my personal opinion was that they genuinely genuinely believed that Jesus Christ the man had died and yet he was now completely and genuinely, genuinely and literally alive. And because he's now raised from the dead, there are 101 incredible, fantastic implications that are now directly connected to him being alive. So many of the things that as Christians we want in our life are nothing to do with how you feel, are nothing to do with how much, how much you've prayed this week or how much you fasted or how good you think you are. The, what I see in the scriptures is that there are so many of the central things that we all desire are directly connected to a man being alive a separate man from us. It's absolutely glorious, which means at one level, you and I are free to be fragile and weak and to feel depressed and anxious and fearful. God doesn't want you to feel those things. But if you think about this, just let me give a little illustration. This week I went to the Northgate building. In theory, I just made an appointment with Kayla, the pastor. I said, we need to, you know, we've got a meeting there next week. Let's go and have a look at some of the practical things. Then when I got there, I thought, I have no questions to ask her. I have no idea what practical things we need to think through but thank goodness Matthias was there and Matthias was quietly going around the building with his phone talking to Josh the, the the PA guy having all these sort of discussions about stuff and at the end of our time he came up to me and said he showed me his phone with like 10 different sections of, of, of practical things that we need to be thinking through as we go into the building I wanted to kiss him I was like, Matthias, I am, I, I am, I love you, and we love you, and the fact that you just got your little phone out, no, 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 there it was, chatting away, getting all the codes for the alarms, getting the lighting ready, getting all the different things. Uh, now, this is the idea, my confidence now, is it, in those things happening, is entirely based in another person. It's not based in me trying hard. Now, I don't want to be a complete Wally and have I want to do the best I can and help Matthias and others. But my hope is in someone else. It is in his skill. It is in his competency. It is in his power. It is in his ability to make things happen. Do you understand? And the, the early Christians were confident that the sick really would get healed. But their confidence wasn't in themselves. Their confidence wasn't in Matthias. It was in Jesus, another person who was skilled and competent and just as alive as he was when he physically walked before he ascended to heaven. They were literally confident in another person's skill. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if that's something that you think about or when you think about, for example, not just the sick getting healed, but the spirit coming. Something so often we talk about. And we see in the book of Acts no less than at least six incredible direct implications because of Jesus being raised from the dead. So if you've got a book, if you've got a Bible rather, turn to the book of uh, Acts. Book of Acts on your phone or on your Bible and I want to show us how the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, it means that we now do not need to strive. If you're a Christ follower and you want to see Amazing things happen. I want to show that there's six things that we see and we're just going to spend two minutes on each That because Jesus is raised number one, we're going to see the Holy Spirit will be sent We're going to see that direct. It's nothing to do with you. It's nothing to do with me We'll see in the Bible because he is raised The Bible connects that with the sending of the Holy Spirit in power Number two, we shall see that because Jesus is raised the sick will get healed because he is alive and he is powerful and he is competent and he is in a good mood and he is raised from the dead. You can't see him with your eyes but the Bible tells us that by faith he's actually here. It directly connects the healing of the sick, not with the words that you say, not with whether you've gone to the latest conference on how to get it just right, but on the fact that there's a man called Jesus Christ who is raised from the dead and he loves to heal people. Number three, we're going to see that sinners get convicted of their sin and that is directly connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Number four, we see in the book of Acts that saints can be comforted even at the point of death because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. Number five, we're going to see that we can have a felt sense of his incredible friendship because he is raised from the dead. And number six, we can actually know specific guidance for our life, specifically for you because he's raised from the dead. And that's just six that I just saw this week. There's probably like 26 if you actually go through it. So here's the big idea. So many of the things that you and I so yearn for are all connected with the raised Jesus Christ which means the pressure is off, you and me, and all the pressure, all the pressure, is on this amazing raised Jesus to do these things. So let me prove my case, quickly, but succinctly. Acts chapter two, it's where we begin. Acts chapter two. Okay, so the story is this. As Christians, I'm sure if you've been around for a while, you you and I would yearn for the Spirit of God to move, amen? Anyone here think, I just yearn to see the Holy Spirit move in this place. When you see in the Bible the Spirit of God comes, it's just a game-changer, okay? And what is so amazing though is that I so often think that the Spirit coming is to do with, I don't know, maybe if, if I've read the Bible this week, or if I've had a good a good devotional times Christians like to call it or if I haven't had a row with Josie you know whatever it might be what we see here in the book of Acts chapter 2 is God cuts the Spirit of God comes and we see here in verse 1 when the day of Pentecost came they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. It's this wild scene, okay? The birth of the church. It's crazy. It's not neat. It's not polite. It's, it's the Spirit of God comes on these people and ultimately thousands of people here The good news of the raised Jesus Christ in their own native language, whether they're German, French, Spanish, whatever, they hear it because God gives this bunch of normal people the ability to speak about God's presence and his reality in their native language that they could never do. It's wild. It's it's absolutely incredible. And Peter gets up to try and explain it. And have you ever noticed how he explains the coming of the Holy Spirit? He says here, verse 32, look with me, chapter 2, 33, this is what he says. The climax of him explaining the coming of the Spirit is this. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear." So do you see there, what he's doing is he's saying, hey everybody, the reason the Holy Spirit is coming in this power is because Jesus Christ, who was killed literally and physically, I believe now that he is absolutely alive. And it says here that he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he is now pouring that out. And all that you can see, people being filled with joy and being free from their sin and, and just rejoicing in god this wild scene he's saying is nothing to do with ultimately you and me it's because there's another person here called jesus christ who is literally raised from the dead and he is making this happen now i do want to say this when we sometimes as christians we talk about the, the holy spirit and i know there's been like abuses at times of of, of, of talk of the Spirit and we can be understandably very nervous about even you know being a people of the Spirit right I get it however (laughs) Peter's saying the coming of the Spirit in this wild scene is actually because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and he personally is pouring out what you are seeing they're being accused of being drunk because they're so joyful and Peter says yeah no it's because this man is raised from the dead and he is doing it now this is massive anyone here would like more of the spirit of god in their life at times three of us great i know you're putting your hand up in your heart You cannot do the Christian life without the Holy Spirit people. You cannot do it in San Francisco where most people do not like Christians with understandable reasons. The Holy Spirit is not some optional extra. The older you get, the more you realise you cannot be a good husband or a good dad or a good mum. You cannot be someone who embraces singleness. You cannot be a good employee or employer. You can't do the things that you want to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. And the glorious truth is here, which I had never seen. Until recently is that it's not to do with how much how much I try hard or how I'm feeling it is to do with the pressure is on another person and his skill to pour it out and his and his desire to pour it out I don't know if you've ever heard like talk of the Holy Spirit connected with the resurrected Jesus maybe you have I hadn't I didn't really think of it like that and it's tremendously exciting it takes so much pressure of us to try and get it right and all of the pressures on this resurrected Jesus guy, if he's real and he loves to pour out this spirit, then go for it, Jesus. I'm up for that. I um, remember years ago, I was quite a new Christian and I was at this Christian camp. I was an atheist. I became a Christian. And about a couple of years later, I was in my early 20s and there was like a, a huge Christian gathering, thousands of teenagers, and I was, I was on one of the prayer teams. And I'd, 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 I'd had a, I just felt rubbish. But we, the the subject was praying for these guys to be filled with the Spirit, and one teenager came over to me, and I was in my heart was like, oh no, like I don't even know if I'm a Christian today. I gotta you know pray for this guy, and I remember I felt just there, okay, but I put my hand on this young man's shoulder, sh- sh- shoulder, and as soon as I started to pray, he was just visibly like overwhelmed by a power that he wasn't conjuring up. This guy (laughs) was just a normal bloke. Something happened to him where he started grinning like a a, we'd say in England, like a Cheshire cat. He was just filled with a joy and a power that was, was almost slightly embarrassing for him. And I was just saying, Jesus, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Fill this man with joy and with strength and with power. And, and Jesus did that, and it was amazing. And what was so hilarious was, this is my point, it was nothing to do with me, saying nothing. Now, I, w- I could not have felt less spiritual. The power of the spirit coming on that young man was entirely because, Je- and I realize now it makes total sense, because of Jesus Christ being raised and him being real, that's just what he loves to do. All I had to do was do my fumbling, pathetic prayer And Jesus Christ raised from the dead was able to do the rest it's amazing which means friends this week as you do your week as you drive in your cars and you have breakfast and you do normal stuff why don't you just say Jesus I'm putting the pressure on you like if you're alive and that guy Tom's right then would you come and just pour out your spirit after we've had no sleep because our child's been up all night come and pour out your spirit on us and, and you the pressure is off you and I getting it right, saying it right, thinking that it's some kind of reward. It's amazing how um, this just happened and the connection with the resurrected Jesus frees us to say, it's all on you. I just need my tiny speck of faith and I just put the pressure on you. It's wonderful. Number two, the sick get healed because Jesus Christ is, re- is alive and resurrected from the dead. Again, man i i i when i think about i mean the front front page of the san francisco chronicle today don't know if you saw it was like the amount of teenagers with unbelievable mental health issues that's been recorded in the last few weeks has just skyrocketed a friend of mine his daughter just last week she took her own life 16 years old mental health they've been battling with it man when i think of this city and the pain that we just see everywhere you, if you've got even a heartbeat, there must be a part of you that longs, longs for the sick to get healed, right? Physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick. It's, it's, it should be an ache in our beings. The day that we get numb is a very worrying day. We should be like, this is not okay. I love what Jesse was saying last week when we looked at Gideon. There should be a holy discontent. And if you're like me, I'm kind of slowly waking up to how much I haven't had that because I've been in survival mode and it's good to admit that but it's also we say no no god you've got to change this and here's the good news it isn't about how much you feel that or how much you um or or, or how eloquent you are we see in the next chapter in acts chapter 3 turn with me there we see peter and john are on their way to a prayer meeting and a guy is on the ground they pray for him he leaps to his feet He's incredibly healed and everyone's freaking out, okay? The sick sick guy has just got healed. And then they say this, verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to him, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? If you know anything about Peter, he wasn't naturally very godly. He was quite cowardly. The other guy, John, his nickname was son of thunder. He had a temper, okay? So these are not like real rockstar christian men they're just walking along they pray for this guy and he gets healed and they're saying first of all the thing you need to understand is there's nothing to do with us this healing is not because of any innate goodness or skill in me as a christian at all that's what they're saying but then they say the god of abraham isaac and jacob the god of our fathers has glorified jesus you handed him over to be killed, and he goes on about that, and then verse 16, but he says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can see. So what he's saying again is the same point. The spirit comes because Jesus is raised from the dead, nothing else. Second point, the sick get healed. Okay, and you might you might be like, oh, I don't believe in that anymore. Well fine jesus does and he's alive and he he loves to heal and that's what peter and john are saying the only explanation that we can give why this guy who's been an invalid all of his life is now walking around and jumping and dancing and praising is because jesus christ is literally say literally he is literally alive and well and he loves to heal people he he doesn't always heal but he loves To do it and again here's the big thing for today is we therefore do not have to strive because Jesus is alive we don't have to make anything happen we don't ever have to get the words right or conjure up or we can just relax knowing that Jesus Christ is genuinely alive from the grave and he one of his big agendas is day by day is to bring healing into people I was um I remember in canterbury where i led the church for 10 years i remember right at the end of a meeting my friend jay came up to me canadian guy played rugby and he we were about to leave said oh tom i've really really hurt my arm um could you pray for me and honestly i just wanted to go home i was hungry i wanted my lunch and i was like oh uh okay yeah of course yeah i'm a pastor i should probably do that um sorry jay and i prayed the, the most sort of pathetic prayer probably ever I was just like okay Jesus you love Jay and just you know just pray right now and I hadn't even got through the whole sentence and he started going what the heck what the heck what the heck and he was a fairly new Christian his arm was like totally healed instantly and he'd had it like this he wouldn't even let me touch it properly and he was doing this just moving around going what the heck has happened this is amazing my arm's totally healed and again I had I had I had not in any way said anything that was eloquent or skilled it was and I'm saying it's because Jesus Christ is alive and he's like I'll take that pathetic prayer Tom thank you very much and I will act on it <laughs> I remember a couple of years ago uh, I was uh, um, up in the cabin up in the uh, a cabin in the mountains um, with some pastor friends and one of my dear friends called Larry guy in his 70s it's like an old cowboy kind of guy i i met him in the kitchen in the morning i was like oh morning larry do you sleep well and he said no to be honest with you i haven't slept for eight years properly hardly sleep at all and he was just resigned to it and i just you know when someone says that you think oh okay i probably should pray you know and it was like that kind of i mean I was half asleep and i was like okay jesus just i just pray for larry just would you just help this man um he's had a tough life and he's a real you know i love him to bits would you heal him amen Anyway, that night, he slept for eight hours. Eight hours, the first time in eight years. And from that day onwards, he slept like a baby every single night. I could tell you many, many stories of people. I remember walking down the high street in Canterbury and I was feeling a little bit more full of faith. And these two teenagers, one had a, uh, had a sling on his arm. And uh, I just said, hey guys, I know you think I'm crazy, but I'm a Christian, and I actually think Jesus wants to heal you. I couldn't believe these words were coming out of my mouth. It was absolutely terrifying. And they were like, go on then, mate, have a go. And I literally got this on video, and I videoed, I videoed, well, not as we did it, but afterwards, and I, I prayed for I said, in the name of Jesus, just let this arm be instantly healed. And this total non-Christian guy, 15, 16 years old, was instantly, all the pain left. And he had a sling on his arm, and he was like, what the F? He was dropping the f-bombs saying this is effing mental what the heck and i said can i video this and it was outside barclays bank and i videoed him and he was like this is effing real i don't understand it this is really weird what i'm saying is it's amazing it's like it's nothing to do with how we say it it's nothing to do with whether you feel like saying it it's literally like we can have fun with this stuff amen we can just the one like really no no is never stepping out and having a go and you suddenly realise there's so many things where we can say, "Jesus, you're alive, and you love to heal." Okay, number three. I don't know if I will get through all of these. I'm sorry. I've probably been a bit adventurous with my points. Um, number three, we'll see where we go. Sinners can be conv- can, can, can be uh, convicted. Now I know it's a strange one. You think that's a that's, is that a good thing, Tom? Yes, it is. Anyone here know that you you know there's sin in your life a lot of the time? Yeah, you, you know you can be selfish hard-hearted you 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 don't feel what you should feel I mean not to be too like horrific but when you even this week with the George Floyd stuff on on TV and just watching the videos the video footage of what happened it just makes you feel sick and without getting into I don't know exactly what happened but all I'm saying is there's something in me or when you hear about another shooting in another store and I'm just like Lord this is just evil. There's just so much, there's so much sin in this world. And here's the deal. The Bible says that you cannot and we cannot make anyone feel like convicted of sin. You can't do it. You know, if, you, if you're a parent and you've got kids, you know, that's true. You know, you want, you want others to feel at times. Can't you see how what you're doing is not right? blank stare and I see it in my own life I am shocked at the times so often where I think why don't I feel what I should feel but again what we see here in the book of Acts chapter 3 verse 26 it says when God raised up his servant Jesus he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways I love that he's explaining Peter's saying Jesus is raised from the dead okay how is that relevant to me Tom well, the third thing is it means because he's raised, he's going to convict you of your sin. He will do it. He is committed to, get to, to helping you and me. I love this phrase here, turning each of you. He wants to bless you by turning you from your wicked ways. Now, I know that sounds a bit old fashioned and a bit hell and damnation and, and hear my heart on this, but the Bible is not at all flattering. The Bible tells us that God really, really loves you. However, you and I left to our own devices, are incredibly selfish and sinful and wicked. And that's just that's just the truth of what it says. But the wonderful truth, the the reality is, is that because Jesus Christ is resurrected, He is committed. He is committed to convicting you and me of the sin in our life that we so desperately need to be convicted of. I'll never forget when I was, I've been a Christian about four years, and i'd been having um a kind of a sexual relationship i wasn't mad or anything i was at university and i i was kind of living a bit of a double life you know I, was like, oh, I love jesus and then off i went in the week and did other things and i remember just coming to the sunday gathering that week and i felt just sick i just it wasn't like it wasn't a logical thing i literally felt like i could hardly even focus i could hardly like listen I just was like there's something in me that's screaming this is not okay Tom you can't you can't just say you know Jesus and love Jesus and then live such an obvious double standard the rest of your week and I tell you at the end of the meeting I'll I'll never forget the guy uh, had preached and he just said if anyone wants prayer for anything just come forward and I just like ran forwards and everyone else was just going off to get a cup of coffee and I was just said, I am so sorry. I've got to, i just need to tell you There's This is, this is a part of my life and no one knows it. And I just feel wretched. And I remember just weeping and the joy though, the joy of that conviction, you know, it wasn't condemnation. I didn't feel like God hated me. I felt God loved me. And he was saying, Tom, I want to clean you up. And it was a power that wasn't from me. Do you understand? It was something I now see. Oh, because Jesus is alive he's actually turning my heart. Isn't that amazing? Like he's committed to helping you. Oh, here we go, park ranger man. He's committed to helping you, <laughs> helping you actually know what it is to again and again. So let me ask you this question. Are there any, is there anything specific in your life right now where he's just lovingly putting his finger on? Like your attitude, your inner life or something that you think yeah do you know what I know that Jesus is just wanting to help me see that differently number four we see in the book of Acts not just sinners can be can be convicted but saints can be comforted in the book of uh, in in chapter 7 we see again yet again a connection between the resurrected Jesus and and an incredible implication for you and me who here in your life yearns for just comfort in your soul just comfort in your life and can i be really specific particularly as you think about your death now i know that's heavy you're like tom talking about sin and death and all these things but this is the reality of our life okay and what we see in chapter seven amazingly is this guy called stephen you can read it in your own time who is, he's just a beautiful guy, but he's upset some local leaders and they're literally starting to kill him. And it says this in verse 54, when they heard this, something he'd said, they were furious. They gnashed their teeth at him, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So again, you see here Luke who wrote Acts is connecting knowing that Jesus Christ is alive with Stephen's incredible boldness even when he's dying now I, I regularly think about the fact that I'm gonna die I think about the fact my kids are gonna die and it's terrifying at one level but what I'm slowly realizing is wait a minute wait a minute the resurrection's like amazing because if Jesus Christ is actually alive he's gone through death and he's actually genuinely alive logically if any of you like logic logically if that is true that is of a profoundly relevant practical relevance to my life right now i remember being in england coming back from the pub one night and a mate of mine who wasn't a christian and he said the classic thing that people often say which is hey tom it's all right for you it's fine it's your faith if it makes you feel comfortable and you know more at peace Good for you. And normally I'll be like, okay, fair enough. And today something in me just rose up. And I said, my friend, I just think that's crazy. And he looked at me and I said, I don't wanna be rude, but just think about what I'm saying. If it's actually logically possible that this guy, Jesus Christ, repeatedly predicted that he was gonna die and come back from the dead to prove that he was God, the one thing that no one's ever done, if that's true and then he did it, and there's so many implications of the fact that he's now raised from the dead. Logically, you ignoring that one potential historic fact, I think is absolutely crazy. And I said to him, you're a dad, right? And you've got insurance policies for absolutely everything from driving your car, to your house, to your phone. If you love your kids, you want to you give them as many facts of this life as possible, right? To give them the best chance that they would actually know like how to navigate this terrifying world that's called planet Earth. And you're telling me that you're just going to disregard this. I think you're insane. And I was, I was really bold with them. And I was just, I I love you, but I just think what you're saying, you're dismissing me with a patronizing pat on the head as if I'm just a little person who has this little pocket faith just to make me feel better. This whole Christianity, if you strip it all down at its essence, it's a belief in the historic, literal resurrection of a dead body from the dead to life. It's as sort of heady as you could think it isn't ultimately primarily a moral question it's a historic question it's did this historically happen because if it didn't happen you should pity me but if it did happen you need to think about this you really need to think about this there's nothing more important than, than, than historically than if this happened to him it's literally that important and i i still think this is this is so true does any of you guys remember 15 uh, years sorry five years ago in 2015 very famous incident of 21 Egyptian Coptic Christians who were beheaded for their faith do you guys remember that it was huge news and they wore those orange suits Isis beheaded them one by one and it was meant to send terror into the heart of the Egyptian Coptic church but what was incredible was that it had the actual opposite effect because these men, like Stephen, as they died, and all they had to do was to renounce their faith. That's all the Muslim, the, the ISIS guys were saying, just renounce your faith, and they wouldn't do it. And as they did it, they just kept on saying, Jesus, 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 and then one would be beheaded. Jesus, I believe in you, and then they would be beheaded. And what was amazing was that there were 20 of them were Christians, but they later discovered that the 21st guy was not a Christian he wasn't from Egypt, he was from Ghana. He was just working with these guys who were working in that part of the world. But as he heard them crying out to Jesus, I I can't deny you, Jesus. I know it's gonna take my life, but I believe you're there, I believe you're real. And this Stephen-like boldness, he couldn't deny it. And he obviously came to faith and he as well, so I can't deny this. And he gave his life and died along with them. But what was so moving was that months later, when they interviewed the Egyptian Coptic church who knew these men, it was like their parents, their their, their fathers who had gone there to work and they'd lost their life. i never forget watching an interview of a teenage girl who was 16. And they said to her, how does this make you feel as a Christian knowing that you may lose your life? This is terrifying, right? And I remember her grinning and saying, not at all. Don't you understand? These guys proved that Jesus was with them to the end. He literally sustained them. It's given me such confidence and boldness that even when my time comes, Jesus will carry me. Jesus will sustain me even to the end. And this video has gone absolutely viral because the great irony is that which was meant for evil, that which was meant to make people terrified. Actually, when when you genuinely think, well, Jesus Christ has got my back to the point where he will even carry me into death, he will carry me with confidence. It's not due to me being brave. It's due to him being resurrected. That's my confidence. There are so many others I'm going to stop there but I want to finish by saying this. My final question is this so Tom how sure can we be that the resurrection is really real right? Some of you here may even say Tom I'm not a Christian I don't know if I definitely believe. Aren't there other ways of explaining the resurrection because what I'm actually saying is that every single aspect of our Christian faith is based on belief of the resurrection it is that central everything flows from it and so if it didn't happen then every christian should be pitied but if you think about this the very reason that the, the the possibilities that we suggest that we can think of apart from jesus actually literally coming back from the dead every single objection i think is really weak if i'm honest for example well maybe the disciples just lied But if you think about it, we know that probably all of them were martyred for their faith. Why on earth would they literally be killed if they didn't genuinely believe that they had met Jesus after he came back from the dead? That makes no logical sense for them to lie, even to the point of death. Some might say maybe the disciples hid his body. But again, you think about it, well, if that was true and he was still dead, then why would they have given their lives and are we really meant to believe that those blundering disciples somehow outwitted some kind of elite Roman soldiers who were guarding the tomb it's very unlikely or perhaps some people say maybe the authorities hid the Bible hid hid the body if that's true then again if you think about it they would have just produced the body of Jesus and said uh, this thing about him being alive, this new, this new religion that's all based around saying Jesus Christ is alive, Jesus Christ is alive, Jesus Christ is alive, it's rubbish. Look, here is his dead body. But they didn't do that. They couldn't do it because his body had gone. Some people say maybe he never actually died on the cross. Maybe he just swooned. But if you think about this again, he was brutally tortured He had his back whipped and scourged with those massive brutal whips that people often died from he then was professionally executed he then had a spear put into his side we know that water and blood separately came out of him which medically is a sign that he had actually died and then he was wrapped in probably a hundred pounds of linen which would have suffocated you and put into a tomb for three days with no water food or medical attention the idea that he somehow survived all of that and then just came back again is laughable. He really died. He actually, literally died and literally came back. Or finally, some people say, well, maybe it was just a hallucination. You know, his disciples loved him and so they kind of had wishful thinking. But again, if you compare the hallucinations, medical hallucinations, with what the gospels say, they are such different things. 500 people apparently saw Jesus at one go. Hallucinations tend to be negative things but we see these appearances of Jesus were incredibly emboldening and powerful and they weren't just for people who loved Jesus and to the wish that he was still alive. People like Paul, Saul who hated Jesus literally was knocked off his horse because of Jesus appearing to him. So friends this is like, this is amazing good news that And I would say this, and if you're a Christ follower here, this is my final point. I'd say, when we think about talking with those in this great city who perhaps aren't Christians, I've made it my habit now to, you know, people will have lots of questions, right? I try to rush to the resurrection as quickly as possible. I try to get to that bit as quickly as possible because ultimately i think we see throughout the book of acts and the whole of the new testament this was the defining thing to be a christian meant you literally believed that jesus christ was alive and he was here and he was healing the sick and convicting sinners and comforting saints and doing everything that we yearn for him to do i love what sam storm says and then i will stop Sam Storm says, I can honestly say, he's a great Christian leader, that I've staked my life on an empty tomb. Everything I am, everything I own, everything I've done or hope to do hangs suspended, listen, on whether or not Jesus of Nazareth rose from the dead. The decision I made decades ago to put my trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is only as good as the tomb is empty. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, my life is a sham. I've invested everything in and staked everything on, entrusted everything to the historic fact of the empty tomb of Jesus. If his body and bones are still buried somewhere in Palestine or have long since disintegrated under the force of time and the law of physics, nothing has meaning for me, nor do I have meaning for anything or anyone else. I love that. Now, I know this is basic stuff, but remember where we started? when we think of what does it mean to be a christian we naturally tend to and this is why paul in 1 corinthians 15 says i deliver to you and i want to remind you as of first importance that jesus christ died and he was buried and he has been raised centralizing your life more ultimately on the resurrection of jesus that he is actually a person with a personality who is going to be with you for the rest of your life and into eternity who is competent and powerful he is never like low and wobbly and anxious like tom shaw he is never having an off day he's never flustered he's never overwhelmed by complexities he is cool and calm and powerful and joyful and glorious and he loves you and he is ready this week to do amazing things in your life we can we can with an orthodox faith we can believe that we see a connection between so many of the amazing things that we yearn to see in our life and the raised Jesus Christ which means the pressure is off and as my title says the utter relief of the resurrection i just hope in my imperfect way some scrap of what i've said has taken some of that load off you trying to be God trying to be perfect trying to be the one that saves everything and does things perfectly. And some scrap of encouragement has come to you to go, wait a minute, I can actually kinda, I can kinda sit back a bit in life, not be passive, but in my spirit, my primary hope is not on my prayer life or on how good I am or how winsome I am or my energy levels, my primary confidence is on the raised Jesus Christ and I wonder what he wants to do this week I wonder what he wants to do this week right now just take a moment shut your eyes close your eyes